I'd like to have you turn to Psalm 128. Now, I, I may put it in overdrive here because of time, but uh, you know, I'm not as I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut and paste. So, we're we're going to get to everything that's right here in front of us. Psalm 128. I've entitled this message, Fathers Fear the Lord. And there's good reason. As we look at the condition of the world today, as we look at the things that are happening in and all around us, in society, in the various uh, nations and cultures around us, there is a tremendous need for us uh, to focus our attention on what God says and what fathers can do. Psalm 128, verses 1 through 6, that's the whole psalm. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Now, there is a major crisis in our nation today. And while most people consider the problem to be political, with one partisan party blaming the other and vice versa, students of the scriptures and of Bible prophecy know otherwise, that the crisis and the problems that we see happening all around us have always been spiritual. And what people seem to overlook, even in many segments of the church, is that the enemy of our souls has worked tirelessly to destroy the foundations of any people, of any people, of any culture, of any nation. And the foundation of any people is the home. Now consider, if you will, that the welfare of any state depends on the foundation of the home. But the welfare of the home depends on the spiritual condition of the head of that home. Now take, for example, the most recent statistics concerning single mothers, compiled by singlemotherguide.com. And I quote, once largely limited to poor women and minorities, single motherhood is now becoming the new norm. This prevalence is due in part to the growing trend of children born outside of marriage, a societal trend that was virtually unheard of decades ago. About four out of 10 children were born to unwed mothers. Nearly two-thirds were born to mothers under the age of 30. Today, in uh, one in four children under the age of 18, a total of about 17.2 million are being raised without a father. Of all single parent families in the US, single mothers make up the majority. The article continues and says, according to the 2017 US Census Bureau, out of about 12 million single-parent families with children under the age of 18, more than 80% were headed by single mothers. Now, I say none of this with the intention of putting 
a weight of guilt or shame on anyone here today, especially our single moms. In fact, I commend those of you who have faced these trials and faced them courageously, having trusted in, the Lord, in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and in so doing, bringing up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But this information gives us a good indication that the devil has done and continues to do all he can to destroy this nation that at one time stood solidly on the word of God and on the Judeo-Christian ethic. And let's not forget that this was his intention for Israel as well. Time and time again, the children of Israel were warned. They were warned about maintaining their faithfulness to God their faithfulness to the word, their faithfulness to the law. One reason why we see this verse in Psalm 11, verse 3, that says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do if the foundations are destroyed? Well, certainly the righteous can do a whole lot. The important thing is stay righteous. But it is significant to note that Psalm 128 is a companion to Psalm 127. And to show the relevance of our premise that an unspiritual father will often produce unsafe children and unsafe children will build an unstable state or nation, then consider Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain. In other words, it is useless for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. In other words, to be anxious about everything that you see and do. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. Take note of verse 3. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the, worm is his, the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. A quiver, some have said, is six arrows. So if you have six children, then you, you're spot on on a, on a quiver. If, if you don't, that's okay. You know, it's right. If you have a half a quiver, that's all right. But notice that it goes on to say, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It is no coincidence that the very center of this psalm, the verse upon which this psalm is balanced, it is balanced on verse 3. It focuses on children as a heritage of the Lord and that the fruit of the womb is his, God's, reward. Now, understand that the Hebrew word for heritage, nahala, means inheritance, and it means possession. They first and foremost, in other words, children, they first and foremost belong to the Lord. Because it is the Lord that fashioned them. It is the Lord that has given them. It is the Lord that has made them. 
First and foremost, they belong to the Lord. And as fruit, they are his reward. They are his beneficial payment. They are his worthy compensation. Now, why do I say that? And why does the scripture say that to us? I want you to listen very carefully. A trend has developed since the last half of the 20th century, maybe a little bit even beyond that, even among Christians. And the trend is to refrain from having children. Too many, uh, I should say to many, children are, are not looked upon as a blessing, but as a burden. It is somewhat understandable that many families have having heart-rending problems with rebellious children may consider the suggestion to keep from having children at all. As some have said, why spend one's life and strength and money and emotions bringing up children only to have them repay, repay it all with defiance? Wouldn't we be better off without them? That, in a nutshell, is how a lot of people feel about children. Well, let me ask you this. Suppose the parents of all the prophets and all the apostles, suppose the parents of, of, of these men had, had reasoned that way. Suppose the parents of Moses had rationalized that way. What if the parents of all of these great men and women of the faith would have said, oh, those wicked kings, oh, those wicked nations, oh, that wicked Pharaoh, oh, our world is a mess. It's better to have no children whatsoever. But it was said by a, an old Baptist, British Baptist pastor, whose name is Frank W. Borum. And in fact, Frank Borum was the last student interviewed by Charles Spurgeon for entry into his pastor's college. So he has some distinction. But as Frank Borum once said, he said, when God sees that in this poor old world a wrong needs righting or a truth needs preaching, or a benefit needs inventing, he sends a baby into the world to do it. Now think about this. How many of you were babies at one time? Only half of you? What were you, the rest of you? Born full size? How many of you were babies? Be honest. Okay, good. Wow, 98%. I don't know about those other two. Would God not send us with a purpose and a plan? We didn't discover it maybe for a long time, but what coming to the Lord, we have discovered it now. This is why 2,000 years ago, God sent a child to be born in Bethlehem. 
That's why it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace which gives us certainly a, a, a wonderful lead into that one great verse that everyone should know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Without that child, without that son, why would we even be here today? Amen? You see, children are more than just a heritage unto the Lord, even though that's what we are told. They're a heritage, they're an inheritance, they are a possession of the Lord. And, and the, fruit of the, woman is, the fruit of the woman is his reward. But children are more than just a heritage unto the Lord. Because as we're told in Psalm 127, verses 4 and 5, they are to be our helpers as well as the source of our happiness. And by the way, that's happiness, as Renato was saying earlier, not the happiness of the world, but the happiness that is spelled J-O-Y. Because it is the J-O-Y of the Lord that is our strength. Now, they are our helpers, as we shall see in verse 4. They're our arrows and the source of our happiness as long as, as long as we shoot these arrows in the right direction. They're not going to be much help if they go all over the place and not get to the target that they're aimed at. You see, that, that causes you as fathers to think about the direction of where they're going or way, uh, where, where they're going to end up, if, if you will. But if children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty man with good intentions to use effectively, then they are going to go where he wants them to go and do what he wants them to do. This requires the mighty man, who we will call a father, this requires the mighty man to discipline himself in how to direct those arrows. The father has to be disciplined in how to shape the arrow, to make it straight, to make it firm, to make it strong, to make it worthy and effective. Because he isn't going to hit his intended target by shooting arrows that are bent and crooked. The mighty man also must pay attention to and keep his eye on the target. All of these factors must be taken into consideration. See, it's more than just birthing children. There may be some of you who are fathers here today because you've, in, 
you, you, you've been blessed with, with stepchildren. Maybe they're not your own physically, but you've been more of a father to those children than one who is only able to give physically and physical birth. But we can never overstate the need to stay in the Word of God. We can never overstate the need to stay in the Word of God. This is how you become disciplined as a mighty man, knowing how to use your arrows effectively. We can never overstate the need to stay in the Word of God in bringing up our children. In fact, that is the single most important task fathers have in life. Remember the words of the Shema. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echod. Hear, O Israel. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And he's describing what, what the, the, the more orthodox Jewish person does when, when wrapping a leather strap around their arms that holds a, a little box that's on their hands that, that contains scripture, the same with the box that is on their forehead. And that box, that little box, that little phylactery is filled with scripture. And more than likely, this passage of Deuteronomy. To remind them of their responsibility to teach their children in and out of the house, going in, going out, morning, evening, at any time, the word of God. And verse 9 says, And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. The two mezuzahs that are at the doors of our entrances here are to remind us of that very thing, that when we come into this place and when we leave, the Word of God is the most important things in our lives. The Word of God is the most important thing to learn, to teach, and to continue to live by. Because without it, there is no life. It is the Word of life. But a few verses later, the Lord gives a warning. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 12 through 14, he says, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought, thee out, uh, or which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And notice verse 13. If you underline any verse in this passage, underline this. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. That became the very problem with the children of Israel, is that they kept looking at the world and said, we want, we want what the world has. The world has other gods. We want some of that too. When they had the God who created the heavens and the earth by the word of his power. They wanted a king like a, the world had kings 
And because of their desire to put God behind them, God gave them a king, which brought great, great turmoil to the nation of Israel until King David. The need of fearing the Lord is more than just an admonishment. The need of fearing the Lord is more than a fearful exhortation to men. It is, in fact, the ultimate source of blessing for the Father. That's what we sometimes miss. We think that God is angry. You know, it isn't about God being angry all the time. It isn't about that. It isn't about, you know, hitting everybody over the head all the time. He wants to give blessing. We've been blessed today. Because God wants to give us blessing. But we also have to listen. And we also have to fear. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Go back to Psalm 128 verse 1. It says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. That's, that's one definition as, as it were. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 128. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Now, the Hebrew word for fear is the word yareh, and it means to revere, it means to reverence, and to respect highly, and to hold in awe. We are, in fact, to have a very high view of God. A high view of God with great respect, with great reverence. And I'm not talking about people that go around saying, oh yeah, the man upstairs, the man upstairs. That, that's, that, I don't like that. That, that, that's, that's, that. That's disrespectful. The Bible is very clear. God is not a man that he should do things like a man. He doesn't. And God is different. He's above his creation. So let's quit trying to bring him down into our level. Because he's never going to be at our level. And yet, he sent his only begotten son to take upon himself flesh. And when he did, he came to this earth and never once did he sin. Never once. Certainly tempted. Tempted by the enemy for 40 days and 40 nights. But always came back to the word of God. Always came back to the word of God. He taught us what it means to truly fear and reverence and respect and revere and to hold in awe the Lord. And those who love and worship the Lord with this kind of respect and reverence will only be blessed in spite of all that is experienced and faced in this life. Just because you go through trials doesn't mean God doesn't like you. The trials are there for us to trust Him more. Y'all get that? Yeah, okay. Please understand that. Because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, God must not like me. He's putting me through all kinds of stuff. No, he's just trying to get your attention. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to love him. He wants you to serve him. He wants you to quit focusing on yourself and start focusing on him. In this psalm, Psalm 128, the general sense is that all who fear the Lord and walk in his ways will be blessed, verse 1, both male and female, both husbands and wives, both fathers and mothers. That's the general sense. 
But verses 2 and 3 focus more specifically on the Father. Because it says in Psalm 128, verses 2 and 3, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Then it says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. You know, a vine clings, a, a vine contains, a vine uh, cultivates. It, 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 it just surrounds you. This, this is speaking specifically of, of that relationship. But then it goes on in the next part of the verse. It says, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Fruitful, you see. So there are four things then promised by the Lord to those who will find happiness and blessing inside what I like to call the circumference of God's word. When we are inside the circumference of God's word, here are the four things that God promises as we see in these two, cha in these two chapters or these two Psalms. Psalm 127, 128. But specifically here in Psalm 128. It's, it, it, the, the first thing promised is their finances. The first thing promises their finances. Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. So God provides your jobs. God provides a way for you all to maintain and, and live. God provides that. That's the promise. Secondly, their feelings. He promises what? Happiness in the sense of joy. Happy shalt thou be. By the way, happiness in, in the Old Testament is also a, uh, equal to blessing. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The word blessed there can be translated as happy, but that is not the human happy, that's the heavenly happy. And then thirdly, what is promised by the Lord is their futures. Their futures to be blessed, and it shall be well with thee, it says. <clears throat> and the fourth thing is their families. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Now, as for verses 5 and 6, the psalmist closes this encouragement with something that we kind of talked about earlier on. The issue of security. The issue of a nation that is secure in the Lord. Because he says this in verses 5 and 6. He says, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Verse 6, yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. And we come back to what we dealt with earlier. Where a nation is secure because the foundation is secure. And so, security is at the very center of the nation here. Zion, the city of God, the city that God loves, the city that God uh, calls an eternal city. Zion, because it is the political heart of Jerusalem and Israel. Secondly, there will be security in the city of Jerusalem itself, just the city surrounding Zion. Third, there would be security for the country. All in all, one cannot separate the security of the homeland from the, from the sanctity of the home. Let me say that again. One cannot separate the security of the homeland from the sanctity of the home. And one cannot separate the sanctity of the home from the spirituality of the parents 
and I should say the biblical spirituality of the parents, especially the father. Especially the father. This is the reason why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, first he speaks to children, and he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So that, there's no room there for discussion. Children, obey your parents in the, Lord, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou may livest long on the earth. The only commandment with promise. And then verse 4, he speaks to fathers. And he says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He'll also say to the, the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Children, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Your whole life as a father is, is one of bringing encouragement to your children by teaching them the word of God, by teaching them the things that will last them for an eternity, not just for a lifetime on this earth. In your bulletins, on the very cover of your bulletin, we, we put Proverbs 20, verse 7, but I want to read verses 6 and 7. We're almost done, as a matter of fact. I flew quickly. Man, I can feel the wings kind of tiring out here. Proverbs 20, verses 6 and 7, it says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? A faithful man who can find? The just man or the righteous man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Folks, don't discount that word, integrity, because it only comes through a person who has surrendered themselves to the righteousness of God and, have become, and has become a righteous, just man. The just man walketh. That means he lives by his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So a good father, verse 6, a good father and faithful father is rare, it says, these days, but so desperately needed. We need faithful fathers, good fathers. Secondly, an honest and truthful father is a rich man indeed. Because the true source of his wealth is his children who follow in their father's footsteps spiritually. Spiritually. And so, fathers, we're going to pray for you in just a moment, but may the Lord bless each and every one of you today with these great blessings from the Word of God until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, before we pray, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 4, verses 5 through 10. It says, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses speaking. Even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. 
Keep, therefore, and do them. Keep the commandments, do the commandments. In other words, keep the word, do the word. For this is your wisdom. Folks, men, this is your wisdom. You see it? This is your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who has God so near or so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I said before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But, notice this, teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb at the giving of the law, if you remember, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. How many times do we have to read in the scriptures the importance of knowing the word to teach the word? We know we only have to have it one time, and yet we've had it a few times today out of various sections of the scriptures. So men, that is your challenge this morning. Fathers, that is your challenge this morning. And I want to thank God for each and every one of you. And I don't care what happened yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Forgetting what is behind, Paul said, but looking forward, looking ahead, pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what you're going to do today. So if you're a father in this room this morning, stand up now. Take that stand as a father in Jesus' name. Amen?